0: Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place where bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, hello there, my beautiful red women out there in the world. Those of you who are rabble rousers having all kinds of dangerous and intimate conversations in places and spaces that we were told we weren't meant to speak in, or at least not about that. (laughs) I am here. (laughs) (laughs) I am so delighted because, as you know, I love on the Red Podcast to bring my favorite rabble rousers, edge walkers mystics, queens, wise women and tricksters to you. And today I have the great, great honor and pleasure and excitement of welcoming to the show my beloved sister, Nisha Moodley.
1: Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that introduction, by the way, was inspired by Nisha today. (laughs) She always gets out my playful energy being her Gemini self over there. So I have invited Nisha on today for well so many reasons I can't really even begin to count them but some of the reasons are because I've known Nisha for we've just figured out about the last 10 years. I've got to witness her through many different layers and mm, places of her journey and her development right the way through to witnessing her becoming a mom to two amazing little boys and Mm All the things that she's been up into the into the world around sisterhood, around leadership, around this thing she calls devotional leadership, which we're going to be talking about today because I, I love that. You know, I've been talking about sacred leadership and divine feminine leadership. Well, Nisha has her own niche, which is devotional leadership. And we're going to, I want to know all about that. And at the same time, one of the things that I really appreciate about Nisha is her Ability to bring the artistry alive in all that she does. I've had the great honor and joy of uh, being on retreat with Nisha, assisting her in leading her retreats for years and years and years. And the spaces and the places that Nisha takes sisters to in service to their greatest unfoldment are some of the most beautiful and mm. wise and depth filled and fun filled spaces. So. Okay. That's how I know you. And I'm just honored that you got to be here with me today, darling.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful that you invited me. And every time we start talking, I just think about us tootling around in Bali. (laughs) Just do not let these two women... Do not unleash them in spaces where beauty is to be procured oh without them procuring
0: all the beauty. Oh my gosh, it's so true. It's so true. So both Nisha and I favor towards the goddess of love energy and we love beauty. And Bali is like one of those places that's over the top. It's like oh, it's everything dripping. there. Everything there is just gorgeous, the architecture, the clothing, the art, the jewelry, you know, all of the adornments that the goddess loves. So you're quite right, I do have a blessed memory of it being
1: super hot like so hot (laughs) we were sweating our way around (laughs) when when the sweat is dripping in between your dress your breasts and your butt crack (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the definition of moist
0: but listen we were tenacious we kept going and going there was one day we walked so far our legs our feet the whole thing it was done so this will tell you our our, our devotion (laughs) <laughs> to that madness. And I see that you're going back to Bali. I just saw yeah, something. Is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. My goodness. Oh, I oh.
1: Can't, can't quit it.
0: You this can't quit so it. No. How amazing. Well, there you go. These are just some of the fun-filled places that Nisha likes to take women to have experiences. So with that said, I'm going to start us off by um, speaking into a little bit of what you've you're been doing in the world. And I want to start with this idea of devotional leadership and the, mm-hmm. a new form or a new paradigm of leadership because a lot of what i've been doing here on the red podcast is being in this noodling being in this sense of like what 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 how are we being called to evolve our skills as women particularly given the fact that women have only just really returned to places of leadership in the last i don't know 100 years of our history that we've even had a choice to be in leadership um and so i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about new paradigms of leadership and what you've been working with in the last couple of years. Cause I know that you've been on a pretty deep dive in yourself around what mm-hmm. that even means and what you stand for. So wherever you want to begin in that.
1: Yeah. Well, I would call an in contrast to, and maybe it helps to understand my, my way of looking at or experiencing or relating to devotional leadership to be like, well, what is it not? Mm. And I think what it's not is the confusion of what we've seen leadership to be, which mm-hmm. is what I call actually distorted leadership. And I keep, I put leadership even in quotes, Yeah. like we call it leadership, but it isn't. And it's to me, what we've been, what the time that we've been in and are, I pray coming out of mm-hmm. is a time of leadership being about Power, but power as a scarce resource mm. that is claimed by a few and wielded over the many. Um, and, uh, and therefore, hierarchy mm-hmm. and, um, and therefore, decision-making funneling to the top, money funneling to the top, power or this distortion of power funneling to the top. Mm. And um, and what we've seen is that this actually doesn't serve the we. <laughs> mm. You know, we were the lie that was sold and told was that, you know, if if we could centralize power in this way, if we just elect, you know, these sort of noble, powerful white men up to the top of society, that everyone would be better for it. And what we're seeing is like, mm. you know, just more war, more destruction. Mm you know, a, a breakdown of sustenance where you have like uber wealthy people and then people literally starving to death, children literally starving to death. Like how do you have billionaires and starving children on the same planet? It's not even that big of a planet. I could get to the other side of it by tomorrow. You know, like it's, right. it's, it's huge and it's not yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and Um, And so that to me is the distorted leadership that we've been Mm -hmm. living in distorted, quote, unquote, leadership. And to me, devotional leadership is if we take that hierarchy and we just drop it down to the ground, we drop it down to the earth and Mm -hmm. first recognize that power Mm -hmm. is life force and life force flows through to and through all beings everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. And so then, how do we create ways of being together that are spiralic and circular and communal and regenerative? I was talking with one of my clients the other day, and I said, "No more of the leadership that seeks to um, that seeks to capture new land, you know, mm-hmm. cap- dominate new territory." on with the next. I've desecrated this one, on with the next, which Mm -hmm. is how we are relationally with each other in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It's like pretty much every war is fought over that. Mm -hmm. Okay, we want more land, more, more. We want to claim new land and new territory. Where to me, when we drop that hierarchy and come out of the claiming new land narrative, then what do we have to do? Well, if we just look at ravaged land like ravaged soil kind of using a like a agricultural um, what's the word that I'm looking for example Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, well we amend the soil we tend Mm -hmm. it we amend it we we care for it we bring it back to life Mm -hmm. so that we can actually do life here So I'm sort of like, forget about throwing dick rockets into space to colonize another planet that is actually not at all hospitable or habitable (laughs) for our species, like remotely. What if we practice staying here and figure out what needs to happen to stay here because this is the planet that our species comes from, our mother. Mm. What if we actually tended to her and attended to her and nourished her and created sustenance and care here. Mm. And to me, that is like the devotion Mm. is the devotion to tending this land that we come from to creating a future that works for all of us. Mm. And if we drop the hierarchy in leadership, Mm. therefore we drop away from dominance and suppression Um, And the sort of false ideas of power, Mm -hmm. then what I think we come into is the recognition that we're all leaders in different ways at different times and that our leadership is a discernment about how we can show up and bring our gifts and our full selves to this world, to our lives, to our loves, Mm -hmm. to this world. So that's what I'm on my soapbox about.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you real time feedback from my body. My body says yes. You know what I'm noticing as you're speaking, sweetheart, is this dropping down and in, <clears throat> and what I would call the softening or the activating of my parasympathetic nervous system which is, you know, the tend and befriend (laughs) model as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, the go getting it. And this idea of what you said really, really pinged me about this, um, disposable culture, this idea that, you know, we need to leave it because it's not working. Mm -hmm. And whilst there's truth to that in some level of leaving toxic relationships, there's also this place of slowing down and, tending to something and seeing what can be transmuted and transformed through the devotion and the care. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's just talk about revolutionary, evolutionary, the shift that that invites in my body and slows me down. And one of the things I so appreciate about you and your perspective is that, you know, we were joking about being beauty mavens and loving, you know, all of those beautiful things but really what beauty is is that harmonic that you're speaking about that actually is devotional beauty and devotion sit in the same chalice together right there that's we we bring beauty through in an act of devotion Mm. and it's an internal state not an external state and external beauty is created through that internal coherence to what is life-affirming so I just freaking love it I really Mm. love it and and, (laughs) I don't know you got something else was coming yeah
1: well it's so interesting that you're drawing this connection between beauty and harmony beauty as harmony and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. devotion and Hmm. you know part of the inquiry that I've been sort of you know when you hear something and and it just everything in you says oh yes this is the way Mm -hmm. And you have no idea what that looks like, Mm -hmm. how to do it, where to start. But something (laughs) is just like, oh, that's a yes. Yeah. And I remember somebody, I don't even remember who it was, but this was a few years Mm. ago. I heard somebody say that they were in the inquiry of or exploration around how conflict was navigated in indigenous island cultures. Basically, when you can't Cast anyone away because there's nowhere for them to go. <laughs> right. If I can't banish you, because we, and what's interesting is I live on an island now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm experiencing some of that real time. We actually have to be really conscientious about how we be with one another because I'm still going to see you at the farmer's market on Saturday. And, yeah. you know, our kids go to the same school together. And, you know, oh, we're going to. Inevitably bump into each other at the grocery store at some point, like or the post office because there's one post office. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we we've got to figure it out together. Yeah. And um and my definition, if you will, of harmony is that harmony, maybe not a definition, but an entryway into harmony is the willingness to be with dissonance. Mm. Like there's no harmony without the willingness to be with dissonance, and I kind of got that when I had the embodied realization that what the harmony that I was trying to gain my whole life really, for good reasons, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up in a household with parents at war with each other, the harmony that I was trying to gain Mm. was a harmony that was like, we're all getting along. It's so nice here. (laughs) It's so nice and easy and good and sweet. And that was like, to bring it to my work for years, that was how it felt. I would hold circles and it would be so nice and we'd all get along. And this is, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. This is so great. And then I got pregnant and 37 years of repressed rage started rushing to the surface. (laughs) And all of a sudden my circles, there was conflict showing up Yeah, yeah, and there was dissonance. And I was kind of gripping onto like, oh, but wait, I want it to feel that like good, sweet, Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of sisterhood that looks like we're all wearing flower crowns and goddess dresses swaying in, in sync. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like, you know, not mm-hmm. that. Right, <laughs> the flower right, crown right. was getting ripped off and <laughs> someone else was, you know, emotionally topless in the corner, <laughs> you know, not, not really topless probably, but you know, there, there was just dissonance happening and I realized, oh, I need an upgraded experience mm. of harmony. I am learning actually what harmony um, is, which is not this yes. brittle, fragile, we all just get along. It's so easy. Yeah. But yeah. oh, a kind of harmony that's I'm, I can stay here. Mm-hmm. I will, w- I can weather this storm. And if I can't, I'll care for myself and lean back into the web and trust the web to, to manage and navigate, you know, and support this. So to mm. your point, You know, Mm. some, we have to leave sometimes an unhealthy situation when there's not a way to stay and Mm -hmm. it to be good. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's it's not going to be good to stay, then we have to go, but where do we go and where do they go? Well, then we have to rest back into the web. So just, yeah, that beautiful, how you wove that beauty as harmony and the relationship between that and devotion. And I'm just seeing like, So much of it is this inquiry that I feel like we're in culturally right now, which is how do we stay here? Like, literally, how do we stay here? How do we stay on this planet? How do we regulate our nervous systems? How do we be in relationship with one another? You know, uh, (laughs)
0: yeah it's like we're in trial by
1: fire literally totally
0: we're in we're in one of the most extreme practicums initiations around that that i think we we possibly have been you know as a as a collective culture as beings and those of us who are you know um at this point being called to come into leadership and when you were talking about leadership being all of us leading from this place of like how do, how do we stay with the discomfort and the dissonance and the shadow and the crack and the place where it gets disordered and chaotic and scary and like, ah, overwhelming? And how do we stay with that and know that from that destruction, from that unraveling, something new will harmonize I mean, this is the way of nature. If you look at it, this is how it works. Creation and destruction, create a destroyer, preserver. Here she is reforming us. And one of the things that I'm so curious about in times of your own initiation, because you've been through this initiation I've, I, and I've been aware of, because I know you, but, you know, like of cocaine, of like going into motherhood and, and that ripping open and you know, a new Nisha being born, a new person being born as you birthed your babies. But also I know that you've been, you've gone through in the last couple of years here, a real questioning and a real coming to terms of being biracial and being who are you as, and so I'm wondering if you wanna speak into that a little bit because I know that both these have been initiations in in your own world of how you're showing up and what's important around this leadership that you stand in.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I don't know
0: what's real for you there but I'm curious
1: (laughs) well I feel to to like create a little context because the Mm. context is actually like it actually speaks so poignantly I feel like to the experience that I've Mm. been
0: in oh yes please so
1: I gave birth to my oldest Mm. in the in the direct midpoint between the 2016 U.S. election and inauguration Woo. <laughs> Which, let's, give, let's give that a context. For, for many people, we'll say a lot right there. Yeah. So I watched election night four weeks between before giving oh, birth. I got total chills you know, when you said that,
0: yeah. Woo.
1: Went to Hillary's party and <laughs> left with my tail between my legs and a heaviness in my heart. And, yeah. and um, you know, a real, like, for so many of us, um, like... Whatever fragile sense we we were able to hold on to until that point of, it was like, uh, this is what I know about us as a people, was just shattered for me. I know for a lot of people, they were like, I saw this coming, this was no surprise. But for me, you know, and based on all of the opinion polls that I was looking at, 97% chance that. It was a real it was a real moment of um, mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. you see through the Maya yeah. and go, "Whoa, this yeah. is actually real, this is what's real, this is yeah. what's real and um, you know one could argue it's not real, and technically she won the election, and but you know blah, those blah, blah, are blah, also blah. true uh, based on numbers, and also this is the reality that we're landing in is this This truth, this experience. And so, so what do I want to speak into around this? I feel like a huge initiation for me has been reckoning with all of this rage that I didn't even know had been stored away Mm. in pockets of my body and, you know, back doors of my psyche and just, you know, somewhere away in another land. And then I got pregnant and it was sort of like, um, Uh, I don't know, you know, if you're like boiling something and the residue of whatever is there comes to the top, the grease comes to the top or the foam comes to the top, you know? And, Mm. and so it was like, it could no longer be contained and held in my body because my body was making space for a whole other being to exist. And so Mm -hmm. it all had to get pushed up to the surface and, um, and like what a time for it to get pushed up to the surface when there was like a tremendous amount to be angry about, to be righteous about to, And there was a lot of collective anger, a collective Mm -hmm. grief, collective pain. And so I was sort of with the collective working through all of these intense emotions at a time when I think a lot of us were working through a lot of intensity, um, And, you know, in the years since there have been, you know, there was a sort of uh, brewing and then a crescendo of a racial uh, reckoning in the country that I hope that wasn't the crescendo and that we keep in stay in the work. But all of that, like unearthing all of this rage out of the depths of my body and not just my body, but it felt like I was sort of raging for my lineages, you know, all the women who came before me. And then, and then being in this reckoning and seeing all of the ways that suppression Mm -hmm. had had its way with me in my life, you know, consciously and, and, and often unconsciously, you know, Mm -hmm. and that suppression took the form of, if you had asked me two months before I got pregnant, tell me about when you feel rage, I would go, Rage, such an interesting emotion. <laughs> like, what is that? What is that like? Wow. Like, I'd felt anger, but usually I would feel anger for a moment, and then I would feel compassion, which I mm-hmm. call now the compassionate bypass. I could just go right into sadness. I could go right into, I get it. I can see where everybody. But it was the little sneaky way of bypassing the rage. Yeah. The passionate bypass. It was sneaky. It's it was like compassion, superpower, and also compassionate, um, I don't know, you know, those like cartoons where they have Mm -hmm. an injector seat. (laughs) I'm out of here. Right, right. right. right, right.
0: I don't want to sit with that. So I'm, I
1: don't, I don't, this is, this is too much. And it was so automatic Mm -hmm. because there was no space for me to feel rage as a Mm -hmm. little girl, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. And so all of these memories and experiences came flooding forward of mem- remembering being the five-year-old girl alone at my dad's house, hiding in the closet, trying to rip apart my undershirts mm. because I was so angry, but yeah. couldn't make a sound Oof. and couldn't, couldn't express it in a way that Oof. would be seen or yeah. noticed yeah. or tracked. So let me destroy this thing that will go unnoticed. You know, if I'm if I rip apart my undershirt, nobody will know. Nobody's counting my undershirts. That it, the amount of calculation that had to go into being five or seven years old mm. and and ha- having to express my emotions in that way, that creates, there's a lot of suppression. Yeah. So I'm, I'm exploring all of this suppression, <laughs> trial by fire again, and then all of this suppression through the experience of assimilation, like being mm. biracial and being biracial, but also, like compared to my other cousins who are all biracial, and most of us single, cho- all of us actually single, the single children of our parents. Mm-hmm. So, all of my cousins are much darker than I am. So we're all—they're all—you know—I ca- have this brown family on one side, and I'm like boop, <laughs> much lighter than all of them, and so it there was always this way that I could kind of assimilate or try to assimilate where maybe my cousins wouldn't even bother trying because you can't. So the ways of like spraying sun in, in my hair and watching my best friend who's Icelandic go like uber blonde. And then I would just have like frizzy, dry, dark Brown hair. (laughs) Um, The time that my mom caught me. I came home, I was maybe 12 and I had taken my allowance money or babysitting money and gone to spend it at the drugstore, which was the only place I could walk to from our house. And I came home and I guess was acting super suspicious. And so she was like, what do you have? What did you buy? And I'm like, nothing. Eh, So overbearing, you know, whatever I said to her at the time. And she sort of like elbowed her way in to see what I was up to. And I had bought skin bleaching cream to try to get rid of my freckles and to try to lighten my skin. And so all of these ways that I had unconsciously and consciously, but not knowing what it was attempted assimilation, which is suppression. So I feel like so much of my journey and I could tell, I could go on with stories about that forever, but so much of my journey in these last, especially the last five-ish years since becoming a mother is sort of a marker of it all but inside of that it was like becoming a mother racial reckoning my father dying and being at his bedside for four days with him um having another child oh and by the way both of my children I had with uh my partner, who I met one month before we got <laughs> pregnant with our That's eldest. For real which is its own holy whoa initiation. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> and on the heels of a major heartbreak that I could tell write books about that whole thing. So it was like this last five years has really been um, for me, about unsuppressing like like, uh, digging up all that has been pushed down and pushed away and then finding ways to integrate and express and be all reclaim all that has been suppressed. And that's such a dance. It's like reclaiming my rage that is, has been in my experience so messy. Like I'm still figuring out what that means and how to do that. And perimenopause is around the corner. And I think <laughs> some of my friends in my life go, Oh, you want the second tsunami's coming, sister? You want to learn about rage? <laughs> Talk you to me to go, when perimenopause is. Well, well,
0: I, and that's what I'd say to you is it's like you were going through motherhood during this whole mad last four years, five mm-hmm. years that we've been in. And I've been in menopause. So I mean, I'm just at a whole another place with this. I'm like, Oh, yeah. Covid just about sealed the deal on that one for me. I was like, ah. "Oh, you know," and 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 the whole Trump era was <laughs> was me hot
1: flashing at the world. We're saying we're <laughs> saying was and hoping you know. Well, well see. I,
0: I I'm living in this exact moment, and yeah. whatever it is that's going to happen is going to happen. But in this exact yeah. moment, mm-hmm. I do not have to look into his eyes and deal with him right this moment. <laughs>
1: we'll <laughs> savor this
0: moment shall we exactly <laughs> savor, so, it. savor it So one of the things that I'm really struck by in what you're sharing and I and I feel like this is true for all of us as women red women women who are remembering what it is mm. to stand in our authentic power that that statement you know um is that the last few years here have been a reckoning I mean, there's been a reckoning for all of us. And I really want to acknowledge what you just said about rage. And I think that we've all had our own flavors of that rage and that, that of what it is, that's being brought round through the collective for us to unearth where we've been oppressed, where we've been suppressed, where we have been in the soup of a whole set of patriarchal agreements and dominant agreement and where
1: we've colluded with suppression exactly
0: too. right yeah. where and where we've been bastions of that and where we have been unconscious of it you know and it's been an incredibly galvanizing time where as you you know we're not through this by the way right fyi Um,
1: (laughs) We haven't saved the world yet. Is that what
0: you're saying? No, I'm so sorry. We we, we actually haven't succeeded in that mission yet. However, I do feel like we are, we are down the road. We are Mm -hmm. going down the road, you know, and, and I'm, I'm painfully aware. And I know you moved out of California back up to Canada. That was a move that you made with your family and I'm still here in California. And I, you know, as I sit here and I'm, 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 I know I'm, you know, Somewhat in denial, it's now May 11th, and I am looking at the fact that we're heading into this new season in California, which is now called the fire season. We don't have summer anymore; we have fire season in California, and it's like
1: seven months long or something.
0: (laughs) Right, but I've been in—I've been in—you know—deep denial because I haven't been—it hasn't been in my face for the last.
1: Six and you months. maybe have to, you
0: know, well, actually. And I, well, well, that's the thing, right? So there is a certain level upon which in order to be able to function and live our lives and to, you know, to sit with the discomfort of what is happening and to stay awake to it, but at the same time to exist within it. And that's something that I think, I heard someone say this the other day, and I'm kind of curious for you, that we're in this for the long haul. Like, this is not the kinds of issues that we're dealing with, the breakdown of our current epoch of civilization, the breakdown of the system of patriarchy that we know doesn't work. The remedy for that is not going to happen overnight. That is going to happen over the next millennia. (laughs) It's going to happen not even in our lifetime, I don't believe. I believe we're part of the journey. And I'm wondering for you at this point, given one who is here in devotion to a new way, how do you stay the course? <laughs> how do you walk it when, you know, faced with all of these pieces that, you know, it's not like it's going away. It's not like we've sold the issues of racism or white supremacy or any, I mean, really any of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we haven't. We're in process with it. So, how how do we as women model walking in the shitstorm and staying connected to the beauty and the devotion?
1: Yeah.
0: Oof. Because <laughs> this is a question I get asked all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, really, it's... women ask me this all the time, so I'm super curious just to bring yeah. it up.
1: I think that. um, <laughs> I think part of, um, part of it is like, hmm. if, if the world that we're if repair is what we're in it for in the long term, in the long haul, like mm-hmm. you, if, if, if I have a, a piece of land hmm. that has been depleted for monocropping and pesticides and chemicals, I'm not going to just like put some horse manure on it. And next year I'll have an oasis, Mm -hmm. It's going to take time, maybe years, Mm -hmm. maybe a generation, maybe two generations Mm -hmm. or more to actually get that land cared for and tended to enough that it's restored. And then even then it'll be something different. So, but that's going to take some, again, I can't just like throw some manure on it Uh and think it's all done. Um, And so I think, the first thing that I find very helpful is to recognize that Mm. um, the ways I'm inclined to approach Mm. staying the course may not be the right ways. I'm going to have to constantly (laughs) adapt my approach. And so if I think I'm going to figure out the way, and then just glue myself to that, (laughs) I've got a wake up call or seven or 7,000 coming, I think that Mm -hmm. recognizing that actually cultivating qualities within myself of flexibility, adaptability, receptivity, creativity, you know, that those qualities are going to help me stay the course and navigate what's to come more than anything because I don't know what's to come. And so even if I made a plan, like let's buy this plot of land and we're going to start homesteading and we're going to do the thing and we're going to educate our children this way. Like, okay, great. I figure it all out. And then if that shit burns down 12 years from now, and that was, and all I was, was that's the plan. And I'm attached to the plan. Then guess what burns with it? My entire identity my way of being my ability to steward my children from that moment forward. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like Mm. sort of instead marrying myself to, I don't know. And I'll figure it out. I don't know. And I'll figure it out as like a way of (laughs) being (laughs) so that I can cultivate maximum adaptability, agility, flexibility, curiosity, creativity. And so One thing is like I love to expose myself to other ways of thinking, other ways of living, other ideas and ideals, even if I disagree with them. And just like notice where I feel uncomfortable and just sit with them. Just sit with them a little bit more. and. I mean, I'm not talking about, I want to he- know what everybody has to say about everything. Like, I just, there's no time or space <laughs> or energy that I have desire to devote my life to understand why somebody believes that, you know, black people this or gay people this or any sort of their like a racist, homophobic, et cetera, ways of being like, I just don't care. I don't want, I don't need to be preached to about why women are the lesser sex or any of that <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? But I'm talking more about like, Okay, in my little bubble where I live, mm-hmm. how are people living over there? Yeah, how are the poor people, the poorest people in my community living? How mm-hmm. are the indigenous people of this land that I live on living before colonization? Mm-hmm. What are those people's descendants today asking of us? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and just also understanding like folks who I might tend to agree with, but we actually hold different political uh, beliefs, but like our values and morals are anchored in the same place. Like, Oh, okay. Tell me how you see that. Like, Mm. because I actually want to know, we, we share some values and so, but we see things differently. So I'm curious about those thoughts. Mm. So I think just exposing myself to difference Mm. so Mm. that I don't get too, um, attached to thinking that I know the way, (laughs) uh, or that it's the best way. Yeah. Um, And also just to be more considerate human, like it's very, it's easy to have a perspective when I don't have to consider anyone else. It's much harder to have a perspective when I have to consider everyone else, when I get to consider everyone else. So that just exposing Mm -hmm. myself to people who share enough similar values, like a groundwork of enough similar values, but see, live, experience life differently than I do so that I can listen and learn and, and be curious. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is noticing where I want to say, it's not my problem, <laughs> which is really convenient, but not real. Yeah. And um, and just, just to notice it, like it's not my business, it's not my problem, it's not my problem, it's not my business. Um, and like an example is, A couple of years ago, Greta Thunberg, Mm -hmm. you know, when when she did that speech at the World Economic Forum, I think Mm -hmm. it was, Mm -hmm. it was like such a broad response to her speech, but something that I saw a lot of people saying is like, oh, this younger generation, they're amazing. They're going to save us. And I'm like, are we listening to what she's actually saying? She's saying... us. This is not our responsibility. You are the grownups. This is your responsibility. You need to fix this. If you don't fix this, we are not going to have the ability to live on this planet. Like, are you hearing me? <laughs> and so taking on like, actually, these are my things. Mm-hmm. This, these, these are my issues to carry. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> they're not my issues to carry alone, obviously, but they are mine to carry. These are my things to steward. These are my things to care about because I feel like it's, Mm -hmm. it feels a lot easier sometimes to just go numb around that. Mm. And like, oh, there's not much I can do. Oh, there's nothing I can do. Oh, this is too much. Oh, I'm too stressed. And I know that one of my proclivities is to go into overwhelm. And actually like, in overwhelm, my world gets smaller. Yeah. But if I can care about more, recognize that it is also mine to hold Oof. and also that I can never hold it all <laughs> and I can never fix it all.
0: Right. This is
1: where the grief comes in. Yeah. And, um, I can never hold it all. I can never fix it all. And I, and I need to experience joy, pleasure, beauty, all of those things alongside the care, the grief, the action that I'm taking over there. Ugh, so it feels like that's a whole other piece is looking where I want to, looking at where I want to turn away and say, not my circus, not my monkeys. I'd <laughs> be like this actually, I have children. Like if I turn away, then what happens to them? I'm saying not my problem. You, you deal with it. Yeah, children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, and then and, and yeah, I mean I have so many other pieces. Can I start share a couple more? <laughs> yeah, share a couple more. Go okay, yeah. for it. I mean another piece is just um, hmm. like rooting into rooting into ritual. Mm. Rooting into ritual and rhythm. Yeah. You know, the rituals of daily life. You know, there's the rituals of se- seasonal celebrations and cultural celebrations and all of those things but also just rooting into the ritual of daily life. And like, I play the same record for my children every morning, you know, while we're having breakfast. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it just is like a marker for the day is beginning Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, praying, singing with them, praying with them in the ways that we pray, uh, you know, beginning my work with the same rituals, like these things that just, oh yeah, I'm a human being Mm -hmm. going about the business of my life, also, and tending to that with ritual, so that it's not just that my life is a series of managing tasks, but my life <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah is <laughs> is marked by ritual, by beauty and joy and sweetness, also. Um, and and then the like final piece that's coming through is just um, like recognizing that this these are massive collective issues these are massive issues that affect the collective that are the responsibility of the collective which is why I can't turn away from it because I'm part of the collective Um, and therefore it is a responsibility and an honor for me to be a weaver of community in the ways that I know to do and I think that's true for all of us You know, and especially for those of us who are at all inclined to, you know, to recognize like we're a part of a web and I need to tend to the web as a crucial thing, like crucial, as important as brushing my teeth, (laughs) you know, arguably more important. (laughs) Um, Because if all my teeth fall out, those are the people that are going to feed me when I'm old Um, and tending to the web And just Mm -hmm. there, I hear so many people being like, I want community. I want community. I want community. And I'm like, okay, so the ones of us who are wanting it, who are aware of the fact that we want it, I think that is life saying to us, great, you are chosen, (laughs) you are chosen to be a builder of a reweaver of community, a weaver of the web. And um, not just virtually, but in person. So the simplicity of like knowing our neighbors' names, knowing where the elders are in walkable distance from where we live, Mm -hmm. you know, who lives alone, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where the single mamas, you know, can we help them? Can we rally for them? It's such a hard job. I imagine I'm not a single mother, but actually really... Tending to community where we live, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the most important thing
0: I so my gosh, Nisha, thank you, love. Mm-hmm. I'm so sitting in everything I mean, I'm just drinking it all in everything you're saying the the beautiful wisdom that's coming through, you, you know because I think when we get faced with how do we How do we stay real and connected to what is actually happening in our world and at the same time not become bombarded by it and so overwhelmed by it? I think that this is the seminal question that we're in. I think it's the mystery school that we're in. I think it's the initiation that we're in, which Mm. is everything that you've been speaking to. And it's all resonating. You know, for me, as I listen to you, and one of the things that's so you know people have often asked me and I've been I had to sit with this too is you know with the status of the climate here in California is it tenable to live here mm. is it tenable to live in a place where for many months of the year it's so hot the risk of evacuation fire you know it's it's been a very very powerful initiation for me personally yeah. and this is where i came to was exactly what you said is is that i I don't know where else to go, Mm -hmm. where the world is being affected by climate migration, climate refugees everywhere. Yes. So I could choose to uplift my entire existence and go to another place and reroute myself and try to create what I've already created here. But who knows what's happening over there? Mm -hmm. We have no idea in five years time what's happening over there. So the only thing I can really do is choose to stay. And stay awake and be in the flexibility that at this point in our journey on this planet, nothing is for sure. Nothing will be for sure. We could never have imagined COVID three years ago if someone had said we're going to be shut down for two years and everything is going to have to go online and we're not going to be able to. I mean, we would have gone like, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. Like the world can't do that.
1: Yeah, no planes are going to fly in the skies for months. Right, but we and you're not going to travel or go anywhere.
0: You're not going to, you know, whatever. You're not going to go to a, a restaurant or a club or see music or, you know, what I mean. Your best take like 2020
1: and 2021. Your calendars for that, just rip them up. uh uh-huh. It's done. Like we just, I mean, I remember
0: that part where we were like, "Oh, it's going to be about three weeks. We're going to be in lockdown for three. Can you imagine? A whole three weeks." And in fact the very beginning of COVID Nisha and I were meant to be in a retreat together. Remember Santa Fe, New Mexico.
1: Oh, I remember I was there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was there with a bunch of women that then had to fly home. I didn't even make it oh, there. Because, no. no, it was a whole baller of a mess. Right. But I mean, talk about initiations, but I mean, this is the, where we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think this thing you said about remaining adaptable and flexible and creative these are, the, these are the powers that we have to cultivate. And for me, that's devotional leadership. That's feminine leadership. That's being aware that there, there is no insurance policy that's going to cover you for this life.
1: Yeah. And like, if we live in the question of how do, where am I not flexible?
0: That's great. Where that's am great. I rigid? Yeah. Where am
1: I lacking yeah. a, a, the, the spirit of creativity in my life? And not just where am I how can I cultivate more creativity in my life? How can I cultivate my flexibility? How can I? And so if, if we're really mentally rigid, like yeah. I refuse to hear another perspective, I refuse to hear another right. worldview. Okay, well, there is a place that I lack flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if the apocalypse hits my neighborhood <laughs> and all I have is 15 of my neighbors and we have to rally together, all of a sudden, your political views are not going to matter that much. What's going to matter is, do you know how to turn off the power, the gas on that house? And can we work together to make a fire so that we can survive the night?
0: That's right.
1: And That's hey, right. let's That's let's right. help find this, this elder person who we haven't been able to locate yet. It That's gets really it. real when, when when shit hits the fan, when the rubber meets the road, things get really real. And so mm-hmm. I'm not saying, oh, we should turn a blind eye to mm-hmm. our differences. What I'm saying actually is we need to embrace mm-hmm. our differences more and cultivate within ourselves that willingness to be. Yeah. in the places that we can, because when I'm, nobody's going to be perfectly flexible. If I was completely flexible, I wouldn't be able to stand up. My whole body would flop over. There's, there's an integrity to the spine, <laughs> you know, but also I don't want a spine that's locked up, you oh. know, and I think of that as a great metaphor. Yeah. for How do I want to be mentally? I want to have enough. I know what I believe in, yeah. or I know what my values are. Values, just values. Even that, I don't know what I believe in sometimes, but I know what my values are. Yeah. But okay, let me cultivate more flexible thinking. Let me listen. Let me read that that book from that person who I think has shared values, but just sees things differently. Let me learn about what it's like for poor people where I live. Um, mm. And and then creativity. It's like if if I'm in the business of staying maximally and being maximally creative. You know, fluid in my expression. Okay, hey, you know, let, let's pull out the paints and do some painting. Or my favorite yoga teacher ever, who made us come to class one day, she said, Come to class in an outfit that you would never be caught dead in. <laughs> In the yoga class. Yeah, just come to class in an outfit you'd never be caught dead in, you know? Like you want to wear sunglasses and a hat pulled down over your face just to get to class because you're mortified. And so it's like some people show up in mini skirts and crop tops and other people show up in like dirty, you know, oversized clothing and you see everything and she goes, okay, we're going to the bar. (laughs) the the yoga for today and the only rule is you can't explain why you're dressed the way you're dressed you just have to be you wearing that (laughs) so fun but what a great exercise to be like oh i you know the these fixed these places where we're fixed you know where can we get more more
0: fluid well, We're this is a great segue creative. because I yeah. know we need to finish up for today. I've just loved this conversation. And Red has a couple questions for you. She asks these questions to everybody. This is uh, part of what she wants to play this game. So here's okay. the first Red question for today. Okay, RED is an acronym. What does it stand for? Yeah, whatever comes through. <laughs> no, do I just say the first thing? I don't know. <laughs> what is the first thing?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, really excellent dick was the first thing that came through, to be honest. <laughs> okay, I, I have no doubt that Red would say that.
0: So. Okay, but here's another one okay. relishing,
1: okay. relishing an exquisite delight.
0: With really excellent dick. With really excellent <laughs> dick. We are not editing that out. <laughs> okay. Woo-la. Let's just feel, our, feel ourselves rolling around with that one. Okay. Next question. Misha, mm-hmm. what do you avoid but secretly yearn to express? We might have already come oh, through.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's uh, There's like... um there's a more butchy lesbian inside of me. (laughs) And I don't, I don't say that in a caricature demeaning Uh -uh. at all kind of way. Um, But let's just say I've been to like some clubs back in the day where I would, I'd be packing. This is a lot of information for the internet. (laughs) (laughs) and you know I've been in relationships with a lot of cis men for many years and and so very like hetero relationships um and I just miss I miss that I miss the expression I miss the Mm
0: -hmm.
1: feeling of um erotic danger that I felt I miss there's a lot that I miss about that
0: um, and, I hear you and I witness you. We're <sighs> being over there. We yeah. witness you. And I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And also just being, um, you know, being in, I, I am in a lot of spaces with women all the time where, you know, we're doing our work. It's not, there's not a, there's not that kind of sen- sexual, sensual exchange of energy. You know, it's mm-hmm. very sisterly. Mm. The quality of our togetherness is very sisterly and I value that and I appreciate that and I love that and there's a boundary that I can hold and tend there really naturally. And also there, I miss being in a space with women where there's a different context. There's a different conversation happening.
0: I Uh, hear you. Woo, okay, last thing. Mm. What is the most revealing thing about you that you hide?
1: The most revealing Thing about me that I hide. Oh. I mean, you've just given
0: quite a lot away in the last two My weeks.
1: God, I feel <laughs> I feel a little naked right now. <laughs> this is the point. Red, Red <laughs> really wants us naked. She doesn't uh, want the artifice.
0: So this is where we get to the real nitty gritty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the most revealing thing about me that I hide. Um hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think it is that queerness, actually, just well, that it's that, um, you know, presenting as, you know, being pansexual and presenting as or seeming to others, you know, people sometimes say like white passing and I'm like, oh, not according to me, <laughs> like I've never been able to feel that way my whole life, right, you know, right. and so it's like um, passing as being straight, uh-huh there's a privilege in that because this yeah. is a world that's there's you know a world that's designed for straight people you know mm-hmm. heteromonogamous people um and uh and it's not it's not all that I am you know? I totally not all am. That I am it never has been and so I feel like sometimes I do uh, sort of lean back and rest behind the curtains in the privilege of that experience and passing, and just go like, oh, it's okay. And also keep from myself in a way like um, I don't deserve to name myself or claim myself as queer because, well, I'm in a in a in a relationship with a cis man right now. Um, oh my God! We should do a another there's another layer of suppression, right? Um, if we should I'm not do other, yeah. I'm just
0: thinking we should do a whole another podcast on this because we're mirrors to each other on this in such a deep way. And it's, it's a fascinating conversation mm-hmm. because it's, it is, it, it, yeah, there's a whole exploration right there of, of, of yes, leaning into privilege and also what is our real true expression and, and how is that re being re co, redesigned, re coalesced into a different form. Right. And um I just, Thank you for being willing to share that
1: mm-hmm. with us yes. here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wearing the costume of being a, a straight woman, you know, and um, if I really were to reveal the truth underneath the costume, it's, that's not all that I am at all. Yeah.
0: And, and I think this is, the, this is the truth, is I suspect, and I really think after many, many years of being in the therapist's chair and listening to people for thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of hours, I can tell you this for sure, that most of us are not one thing. <laughs> We are on a continuum and the more that we can talk about being on that continuum and normalize that continuum and have that continuum of expression of all things about ourselves, the healthier our world's going to become. I know that for sure, because the diversity is, is extraordinary and Mm. we're all different. So from one appearing cis heteronormative woman, (laughs)
1: I don't even know what all these terms are, but there you go. <laughs> we are both <laughs> cisgender, but not hetero. But not, but not yeah. hetero, you
0: know, yeah. and have never been. And 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 yet, you know, that is mm-hmm. how others would see me for sure. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. that's just how it how it rolls. So I wanna just thank you, sweetheart, for this mm-hmm. extraordinary conversation. It's been so fun to weave with you and to See where you are in this moment and to just feel the depth of heart and wisdom that you bring and the amazing work that you've done inside yourself and that you continue to do inside yourself in service to what you bring to the world. I love you. Thank you. I so love you. Much. Thank
1: you. What a blessing.
0: <laughs> and to all of you who've been here on the Red Podcast, sending my love and blessings to you, we'll be back with another episode real soon. Bye for now. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red Women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.